We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, content from our lovely island of Tasmania. The show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. Head to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Kate Johnson, and today we'll be joined by a number of guests who will be reading us their science-themed poems and telling us a bit about themselves as well as the poems they have written. I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, the Palawa and the Pakana people. We are recording on Luchawita, and I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which our poets wrote and based their poems, and the land on which you are listening. I would also like to acknowledge the deep and continued history of oral tradition, stories, poetry, art and dance in Indigenous cultures. I'd also like to honour First Nations peoples as the first scientists of this land, practising and passing on scientific knowledge for generations. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to Elders past and present. In today's episode, we'll be hearing poems which were submitted to a science-themed poetry competition I am running as part of Science Week 2021. The competition is called The Poetry of Science, and has been made possible by funding from Inspiring Tasmania and support from National Science Week, Science Week Tasmania, and of course the team here at That's What I Call Science. The aim of this competition was to bring together two fields, science and poetry, which have been historically quite exclusive fields. I hoped that we could show that both can be fun, diverse and accessible to everyone. I also hoped that this would be one way to bring the sciences and the arts together, as they're not so different, and I think they're too often separated. Across two episodes, a number of the authors located in Tasmania who wrote these poems will be saying hello, telling us a little bit about what they do, some background about their poems, and then reading their entries. So let's get into it. All right, my name is Prasanth Reddy and I work in the Libraries Tasmania branch of the Department of Education. And my poem is a light-hearted take on Pluto or what I think Pluto would have to say about no longer being regarded as a planet. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's the title of the poem is Pluto's Prerogative. The Big Bang stars and planets rule astronomy. The list of planets went from Mercury and ended with me. But these days the books are written differently. Instead of nine planets, there are eight, apparently. It seemed a little harsh, like an asteroid through my heart. The nine of us together for years now torn apart. It hurt how quickly the others moved on from the split. I can still hear Neptune sniggering around his orbit. But I've stopped crying, I'm not dying for closure. I've grown wiser and given them all the cold shoulder. And trust me, in this solar system, nobody does it colder. Now I'm happy and proud of who I am, damn it, because I've got big dreams for such a dwarf planet. So let me tell you how it all came to this. In 1930, Clyde Tumbar spotted me in the abyss. Kids found out about me through a cartoon dog. 
Do you know that it's the name of a planet too? And so began the dialogue. The perfect transition from cartoons to science, merging the silly with the smarts, the perfect alliance. Then along came the IAU in 2006. They said, wait a minute, there's something here we need to fix. I was in good shape and could assume hydrostatic equilibrium, something I've been working on through the millennium. Twirling around the sun meant I was on the right course, so the issue was with my gravitational force. I'm in a closely knit neighbourhood, it's just the cards I'm dealt. I'm way too close to my friends in the Kuiper belt. Space is a place with plenty of room, but I like having my friends close so I'm not lost in doom and gloom. So yes, I'm not gravitationally dominant, and in your night sky I'm just not as prominent. And if strength is measured by how far you push things away, then I choose not to compete as I grow stronger with the ones I love every day. Hi, my name's Acacia and I'm a recent PhD student here at UTAS and I study volcanoes. So I'm a volcanologist and what volcanologists do is they study the deposits of volcanic eruptions. This helps us understand how eruptions work and it helps us better predict future eruptions. So I've written a poem on bubbles because sometimes when you're studying these bubbles you go a little bit mad so my poem is called bubbles bubbles in a rock are you mad no i'm not bubbles bubbles do you know why volcanologists love them so gas can make a volcano pop if there is lots and lots but you cannot see it with your eye you must take a rock and look inside What you'll see is bubbles everywhere, evidence of the gas in there. We cannot time travel to the past to see how big was the blast. Bubbles are the key, you see, they give away the intensity. If they're round or if they're flat, the bubble's shape will tell us that. So now you know why I study bubbles, bubbles, they are my buddy. That's great, thanks so much Acacia. (laughs) So did you, can I just ask you, did you always want to study volcanology? No, actually I sort of came about it by accident. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to university, but I saw geology as an option and I have always loved rocks as a kid. I always collected rocks. So I thought, why not give that a go? And during my second year, we had a unit on volcanoes and that's basically when I fell in love with them and I thought how awesome it would be to study volcanoes and so eventually that got me here. Great, thanks so much for coming on the show Acacia. Thanks, it's been a pleasure. Uh, My name is Rakhi and um, I right now work as a teacher assistant uh, at a primary school on the eastern shores. Um, I have, um, I am doing my master's in teaching uh, from UTAS and I am, I have done my bachelor's in chemical engineering and I'm originally from India. Uh, The poem I wrote is um, more for my girls who are age 6 and 13, uh, though my 13 year old finds it a bit cringy, but uh, my 6 year old loved the poem because um, it just tells her everything about science. And um, I, don't think, I don't know if she's going to be a science person, but she loves the, uh, the rhyming of uh, the words in the poem. So here we go. Um, an ode to science. Chemistry is not a mystery. If you mix chemicals, you will end up making history. Physics is amazing when you try it with friends. Learn the basic laws and the fun never ends. Biology teaches us about life and cells. 
Start dissecting specimen responsibly and it will ring a lot of bells. Medicine tells you about body parts and how they function. You will learn how to listen to your body and never malfunction. Earth sciences dig deep into the ground to tell you about rocks and formations, earthquakes, volcanoes and all those dinosaur excavations. Space sciences reveal the secrets of space with interstellar miss- missions just waiting for us to embrace. Science is the best way to know the world around you. If you learn science, you will discover, invent, innovate, formulate and pursue. There are so many things waiting for you. All you need to do is embrace science and be you. Thank you. That's so lovely, Raki. I really enjoyed that poem. I think it's really lovely that you wrote it for your girls. Um, is science something that you've always been really interested in? There's a lot of passion about science in that poem. I'm yeah. yeah, my dad's a chemical engineer and uh, I grew up with a sci- lot of science around me in a very small town in in India, actually, I grew up in a very small town. and But because dad was so passionate about science, um, in our house there was lots of, even while cooking, like dad was like, engineers make the best cooks because they know about exactly how much heat needs to go in and what's <laughs> the right amount to go in. So, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, thank you. Fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so, I'm Frank uh, Oz. And I am a medical doctor uh, who works at the hospital most of the time. And so my poem is, uh, the title is Newton's Children. And uh, I suppose just briefly, um, I hope it doesn't only just deal with um, science as its main topic, but I I hope that it's science is a sort of means to other ends as well and to other meanings, which you can derive from it, and which I would invite you to consider when you listen to the poem. Yeah, so it's called Newton's Children, and it is referring to Isaac Newton, um, who was this 17th century uh, mathematician, physicist. So Newton's Children. Devoid of life, the earth was born. From a cloud rife with metal's base, Ignoble gas, an alchemist's cauldron. Its beauty to admire was there none but alas, as giant snakes of dust collected, in gravity's urn for form did yearn, sister, brother, planets each in their turn, but recoil in awe, slither in circles round the rising collapse, the doom-fated prince in flaming robes, Gravity's blessing and curse, the life bringer and taker away, the prophet in our Milky Way, the light in our dreams all and fear of every mortal soul, the air that came before so that none could follow, to reign o'er the rise and witness the demise of his birth-given right, his kingdom of Newton's law and constant light, the sun whose eclipse but near overthrown with jaundiced eyes and fissile fume peers at Andromeda. Her legions march and champions boast from their saddles of astral glory, destiny blown and to war sworn, mutually they feel if destruction is at heel. 
Hello, my name is Anne Collins. Um, I'm a poet and prose writer and um, these days I uh, spend most of my time writing or being involved in various literary activities. Um, my poem is about time. I've been interested in it uh, in a philosophical sense for many, many years and more, in, more recently I've been reading some scientific explanations of it, particularly um, Carlo Rovelli's book, The Order of Time, which I don't pretend to understand completely at all, but it fascinates me. So that's what's inspired me to... So here it is. What time is it? Free hours stretch before me like a blank page touch a terror swallowed by deep space, light years from the surface of my life. No appointments or schedules, I have these hours ahead of me, and yet I believe what science says about the illusion of time, as if I were floating in an ever-expanding universe. The when of experience so intimately connected to the where of it, when trains became the way of travel, we needed standard clocks to count those agreed-to linear units we call seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. A pattern that structures our movements and our sense of purpose. We need to feel that what we do matters, that we are more than matter. Yet some humans still live deeply in circular time. And physicists explain that nothing, that is, empty space, travels faster than the speed of light. This language unsettles us. Our words are left to fend for themselves. My friends have become grandmothers and great-grandmothers. How can that much time have gone by already? The earth keeps turning on its axis and rotating around the sun, that's how. These cosmic revolutions grow our bodies from young to old. One hundred years, if we're lucky, a speck of time. Would I really want to live forever? Time flows faster for those who live on top of mountains. Drawn less by gravity, their clocks tick more quickly than the ones of those who live below. If you could stay still, time would pass more quickly than if you spent your life in motion. Think of pilots and flight attendants who spend most of their lives travelling above the globe at 35,000 feet. The quantum view reduces all things to complex vibrations. I can accept that I am a mathematically random event, a humble chance at life. New cells are born and die every minute. Humans, like the rest of life on Earth, evolve from the grit of stardust and return to it. This is a wondrous, cold fact. Such meta-awareness feels like a burden, yet here I am thinking about all this, my brain, a part of my body, working hard to understand this mystery. It makes me want to jump up, put the garbage out, sweep the path, make a list. The sheep on the hill, as far as I know, never bothers itself with this kind of thought, or does it? Some humans say they can sense the thoughts of other animals and plants. Ichaeologists talk about the cognition of cuttlefish. 
A dog waiting for its walk knows its time. I too am a scratching animal. I find those sites of existential torment, some patch of dry, flaky doubt, and I feel a sense of primitive satisfaction as I pick at it. In the random drift of subatomic particles with their unlikely probabilities and the ephemeral agitations of quantum fields, my curiosity drifts into the void, light years from the surface of my life. Hi, I'm Dr. Heidi Allman, and I'm a seabird biologist. And I've been studying uh, plastic ingestion in seabirds in very remote locations around the world since the early 1990s. And what I've found is that seabirds living far from human point sources, polluting sources, are actually full of plastic debris. And so what I did is I wrote a poem based on my research. So it's a short limerick called Oceanic Plastic Not Fantastic. An albatross hungry for food searched oceans in far latitudes, choking down plastic waste, lethally not to its taste. Our collective consumption accrued. Okay, so my name's Kim Ransley. I'm a science writer. I have a background in the brain sciences and a PhD in psychology. Um, I've written three saiku, so they're based on the Japanese haiku form, um, and they're all about the brain and my experience doing brain research. Um, so the first one's inspiration. A tiny charge flows through a neural labyrinth. Aha, an idea. The next one is false witness. A face in the clouds appears in a twilight sky. Paradoilia. And the final one is null result. An elusive truth. The data inconclusive. A scientist's size. Okay, my name's Ben Brinkoff. I'm a musician. I play and teach music. My main instrument's double bass. Um, my poem is about Linnaeus, who invented the binomial system of uh, naming. And it's self-explanatory, really. Linnaeus, that crafty old Swede, said two names for each species we need. Generic, specific, would be just terrific. And since then, it appears we've agreed. And there's an important footnote there of uh, giving the example of Brassica napus, um, which, like Linnaeus, is a Swede, for just some extra extra bonus there. That's great. The Thank you so much, Ben. Um, so have you, have you always been interested in the, the binomial naming system? It's something that we, that we use in biology to basically categorise species, whether they be plant or animal, there's the generic and the specific term, but is it something you've always been interested in? Yeah, well, yeah. Sci science generally, I suppose. I had a, a very short, failed science career um, <laughs> after I left school for a few months. I was going to be an industrial chemist. Um, but then I've just been a maybe a science fanboy and a, a, a particular interest in um, maybe particularly the, the natural world. So thanks so much for being on the show. No worries. Thanks, Kate. Hello, I'm Natalia and usually I am a PhD candidate at IMAS, but today I am a poet. And 
I have written a piece that's a bit cheesy about mad desire and a potentially unhealthy romantic relationship that is inspired on my last paper where we found out that warm ocean waters are reaching previously thought to be shelter glaciers in East Antarctica and counting them to melt from below. So there we go. Glacier in love. For as long as I can recall, I stood proud, cold and rigid. At last, you came in. Am I no longer frigid? The moment you touched me, I began to fall. Our passion's real, though time is flitting. Your heat lurks beneath. With a heart for love or grief, I give in, and we hear myself creaking. Oh, warm motion, I was blind by lust. Formerly ice, now I vacant space. I melted into your embrace, and all that's left is dust. Hi, I'm Andy Hay, and I'm a PhD student uh, doing spatial science. And my poem is about my PhD, actually. It's about a, a satellite called SWAT. And so my poem is called Ode to SWAT. O satellite on solar wings, your time is nearly here. You'll launch and soar at home at last above the stratosphere. Bold satellite altimeter, bright watchman of the sea, the first to use the magic of radar interferometry. Oh, the secrets you might share with us of oceans, lakes, of wind and waves, of eddies at sub-mesoscale and how each one behaves. This trailblazer, this glorious swat is one we won't forget. If he could talk, no doubt he'd say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And when packed inside your launch vehicle with antennas neatly tucked, my dearest SWAT, please don't explode, or my PhD is going to need to be slightly adjusted. My name is Lilia Jenkins. I'm a third year agricultural student. Um, I have quite a bit of an interest in sustainable production, um, but also entomology. I think insects are really cool. Um, but not that that has anything to do with my poem. I was actually more inspired by the works of the Romantic and the Enlightenment era. Um, so this piece was kind of inspired by the juxtaposition between these two movements and like the logic and feeling that drives them. Um, so, but I wanted to do it in a complementary manner where I could like blur the lines a little between the boundaries of art and science by just focusing on the act of creation. So, as within, so without. In the walls of my fingertips, electrons dance, and the likeness of an atom rests in my hands. They spin from my touch, my soft caress, and through creation, I understand how the marks my ancestors left in forged iron, or the equations of great empires now fallen, seem so familiar, like something forgotten, quiet, yet resonant, sincere, sweetly solemn. For what we once were is left in impressions, shaped human but coloured in mercury essence. And in our yearning to know, to discover connections, we leave in our wake who we are and our presence. And so I try to create in the likeness of stars, learn through trial and fire, for what in the cosmos is calm? My birth was a bang, and I am shaped by its thrum just as Adam is shaped by my sun-kissed palm. For divinity is not set apart in the heavens, nor will any answers we find there be true, as who we are is formed in the circle of progression, where we make and are made, where the universe is you. Thanks so much. That's okay. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's really interesting, um, what it was inspired by. Mm. That's really quite 
like indicates that you've done a lot of reading about these movements is this is it something you've always been interested in it has been yeah um my mum had a lot of romantic poetry books growing up and then um we had to write about Frankenstein in college and I mean it's so intrinsically linked to science but it takes such a different view on it um Mm. which I always liked and you know um Victor Frankenstein is called a student of the unhallowed arts which I think we should all be referred to from now on. I completely agree. I would love to be referred to as a student of the Unhallowed Arts. Oh, thanks so much for coming on the show. That's okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Hi, I'm Pradyumna Kiran. And um, I like to identify myself as a rookie but aspirational storyteller. But I think in reality, on a day-to-day basis, basis I'm actually a PhD student doing stuff in astrophysics at the moment. The first poem that I actually wrote was partly scientific based though and it was a tribute to Douglas Adams who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. All right so it's called The Restaurant at the End of the Universe which is the title of one of the books in this series and it goes a little bit something like this. Nestled in one of the spiral's arm, I pondered to find a way to the restaurant across Milky Way's farm. The neighborhood is a visual tease as the stars cycle through resurrection and seas. There's a heavy but invisible presence outside the electromagnetic spectrum. This dark matter illuminates no sense. The objective remains to travel light years sans time strains. I radiate through as the starry plasma flies in arriving at my station, the event horizon, swirling down the black abyss, getting shredded into spaghetti didn't seem amiss. Dreams of experiencing tangled space-time fabric now seem radical and a tad barbaric. Spit out by the white hole on the other end, the journey came full bend. Logic and understanding at this point seemed to fail, as I came out as a bowl of petunias and a whale. These lines are a breach of the theoretical wormhole curse. I introspect sitting within the restaurant at the end of the universe. If you liked this episode, you can find all our previous episodes at our website, thatsscience.org, and follow us on social media. I'd like to thank all the poets who submitted poems to the competition and made it possible, and to those who read their poems today. I'd also like to thank everyone who's helped with the competition, especially the judges, Jim, Barbara, Vicky and Louise, and the That Science team. I'd like to thank Grinner's Dive Bar in Hobart for agreeing to host the live event on the 16th of August, where we'll showcase some poems and award the prizes. And I'd like to thank the places from which we've bought the prizes, Fuller's Bookshop, Red Parker and Keep Tazzy Wild. And to thank you all for listening. Until next time. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. 
Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.